What's up, Redemption? How you doing? My name is John Hendricks, and this is another episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to be having a conversation with Chris Fashman. This is actually a conversation that I recorded with him after we had him on a couple of weeks ago talking about playgroup building. We wanted to record a, another conversation about trade etiquette and kind of what we think the community standards are when it comes to that, because it's come up a couple of times on Discord recently. So I definitely wanted to get that conversation out. So that's what we're going to be pushing out this week. So we're glad you're here. Thanks. All right, what's up, guys? How you doing? Again, my name is John Hendricks. Thanks for joining for episode 15 of The Threshing Floor here. Normally, I'd have Brad or some hotshot guest here live, but this week is the first week since we started the podcast where you guys are just going to have to deal with me because that's all you got. So I apologize in advance for how boring this episode may be, but... Like I said in the intro, we do have that conversation about trade etiquette and things that we're going to be including in this. So we'll get to that. But before that, I just want to acknowledge, I've got two things. I want to acknowledge the importance of this week. And also, I have a confession that I need to get off my chest. I want to use you guys to kind of bare my soul a little bit and tell you something that I've done that I really feel like I need to get off my chest and tell someone. So here we go. First thing, the importance of this week. Guys, we've made it. We have made it. It feels like it's been a couple of years now, but we've made it. We're here. It hasn't quite been two years, but it does feel like that. But we have from Rob Anderson, if everything goes according to plan, print run one for GOC phase one will be shipping this week. Guys, we we keep talking about the hype train. The hype train's pulling into the station because we're about to make a delivery. And if you ordered your cards early in the cycle for pre-orders, there's a good chance you're going to be getting your cards in the next week or so. You know, that's provided there's time. They do ship out to the resellers, and then there's time for them to turn around and get the pre-orders out to their customers. So, guys, we've made it. And if you remember when Gabe was on, he talked about how this was, this block set was something that God laid on his heart to show that all of the scriptures are about his son, about God's son, to be our ultimate sacrifice for sins and allow us to have a right relationship with God, which we could not do otherwise because of our sinful nature. So think about that. Something that's been 10 years almost in the making from the first thought of that block set to working it out and then having fall of man prophecies of Christ, lineage of Christ, and now we're here at the gospel of Christ about to drop. Guys, I am so stinking excited. I cannot tell you how excited I am. It seems like with redemption right now, there's so much happening and so much changing right now that everything just seems fresh and new and people talking about um, debt construction. I don't know what, what cycle we're in. It seems like Right now, people are on Genesis and theorizing what their best builds of Genesis are. And previously, it was about Mary and protection, meek. And it still may be some of that sprinkled in with the Genesis stuff, but it seems like we're going through different deck styles and people's just open and sharing those deck lists. And it's there's just so much excitement about deck building. And then you think about phase one dropping and how this is about to take off. 
Like, dude, I cannot, I cannot tell you how excited I am. This is literally the most excited I have ever been within the game of redemption, which rightfully so. I've only been around for going on three years now or about, I guess we're in a few months or so. I think when we got into the game, it was April, May-ish, 2019. So we're just a few months away from it being three years. And this is easily the most excited that I've been in the game. And I would assume it's pretty much up there with a lot of active players. Obviously, there's nostalgia and things for previous eras of the game that I don't have a pull to. But it seems like with this set coming out, there's just so much to be amped up and excited for. There's so much content creation going on. We've got nationals that looks like it's about to like blow the lid off of kind of nationals the last couple of years, not because of anything that is necessarily better about this host or this location, but it just seems like we're getting to that point to where we're on the backside of COVID to the point. I know that obviously there's still some very real concerns with COVID, but it seems like people are starting to branch out a little bit more and not be so withheld because of COVID. And I think that's going to allow the numbers to be there. Plus you've got getting rid of multiplayer and having type one on its own day is a huge thing. And then you have booster draft that's going to include possibly phase two of gospel of Christ, but definitely gospel of Christ phase one. And again, just fantastic stuff to look forward to. Um, but then also the fact that you've also got rotation this year that you didn't have last year or the year before the two that, you know, I've been around and involved with the game and the community since we didn't really get involved with the community before that 2019 one, um, three years ago. So it was pretty much 2020 and 2021 nationals are the only ones that we were, uh, me and Brad were knowledgeable about and knew were going on but it seems like with rotation and having those side events it just seems like nationals is going to be like I don't know all gas and no breaks like just you don't want to sleep you want to play cards and I am so pumped for that I'm pumped for the new set coming out I'm pumped for so many things so I would like to just take a moment to acknowledge the fact that we're here the new set is coming out, and we have made it. As a community, guys, we have we have banded together. We have talked about it ad nauseum, and it is finally here. So, hallelujah, it's here. That brings me to the confession that I need to make. The confession that I need to make is my first introduction to the game was, and I don't even have to say it because if you're listening, if you've listened to any other episodes, you just filled in the blank for me. Angel Wars was the first booster packs that I opened. Angel Wars, the travesty that was Angel Wars. So after acknowledging that, I I did not like the fact that Angel Wars, once I found out about it, because it broke from the source material to the point to where it added fictional angels and things of that nature, and it was based on fictional events from a cartoon. And I never really gave it much more thought than that. I just didn't like, I don't like the animation of Angel Wars, the artwork. I did not like it. 
at all, Sam. I am. I did not want them, you know, in a box with a fox in a car. I I didn't want them in a house in the dark. I did not want them, Sam. I am. I did not like the cards. I don't know why, but as it kept coming up and it was a joke back and forth on Discord, I decided it's kind of like judging a book without its cover. By its cover, I mean, without knowing the context of it. So I still, to this day, do not think that they should have been redemption cards. But I decided that since it does have elements of redemption as source material for an entire set, I should probably have some kind of context for what the show was. So I sought out and I watched. There's three parts of a trilogy that details a fallen angel named Morg and his battle with Michael the Archangel and some other angels, including Eli and Kira, who are on a ship called the Seven. Guys, my confession is... I kind of liked it. <laughs> I, the artwork, the graphical elements of it are not very good. But the scripting was fantastic. And I kind of was upset that there was only three parts before it got in. I think there was another one, but it was hard to find that one with good quality to watch. But it was not the same as the original trilogy. So, and the, when I say trilogy, I mean... These are like 30-minute episodes. There's three of them, and that's basically, boom, here it is. And you get introduced to these characters. You get introduced to um, kind of what they're going through. And the scripting is fantastic. There's, there's talks between Michael because he had these, he was in charge of some kind of like creation stones. I know it sounds like Thanos, but... He was in charge of creation stones and he chose his best friend who was Morgan, another archangel to, or maybe he wasn't an archangel, but he was an angel and he gave him one of the stones to protect and he ended up being um, persuaded or turned by Satan, but they call him the dragon in this show. And they're mentioning, they're talking about this uh, creation stone being a pre-fall artifact and they're talking about the fall and how things changed and things of that nature. And I kind of liked it. I can't lie to you guys. And that's my confession. I don't think they should have ever been used to make redemption cards because redemption is a card game that has put its focus on maintaining as close as it can to biblical accuracy and, you know, providing context accurate to the source material which is the bible and i think angel wars broke away from that and that's the biggest thing that i don't like but also i don't like the fact that the artwork was pretty terrible but if you can get past the artwork and you can seek out these and they're on youtube you can actually watch the trilogy and it's pretty cool i'm not gonna lie i also purchased one of the morgan fallen angel action figures I actually bought two so I could keep one in the box and then get one out to kind of set up. I couldn't find Michael. Michael is apparently in high demand or was in high demand at the time of the show. And obviously the production studio has gone out of business. So they're not being made anymore. 
no one's sitting on a lot of stock for them. It doesn't appear. So I can't find Michael. But I do have two of the morgues. So I just felt like I should come to the community and offer that confession. But I'm telling you, don't make fun of me. Because if you go and watch it, the scripting is actually pretty good. In fact, I want to share some of the scripting with you now. I want to play for you the intro for Angel Wars. And I want you to listen to this and tell me it doesn't make you want to watch the show. Obviously, you know that, like I said, the artwork's kind of eh. And they should have never been redemption cards. But get past those things that, you know, give it its first kind of eh. Not really going to get into this. And it kind of goes hard, though. So here's the intro. In the beginning, there was one, a great Maker King who called forth all that was. The first of the Maker King's creations was the glorious race of angels, with none so bright as the Day Star. But the crown of his creation was Earth, where lived a race of mortal beings so like the King that it maddened the Day Star. Drawing to his side a legion of angels, the rebel fought to overthrow the kingdom of heaven. His rebellion squashed by the righteous guardians, the rebel fled to earth, where he found his opportunity for revenge. From that day to this, a war has raged for the hearts of mortals. One side bent on destruction, the other, redemption. These are the Angel Wars. See? See what I tell you? Kind of goes hard, doesn't it? And the intro for the show is actually more of like a graphic novel type um, artwork. It has the Revealer Lost Soul artwork when it talks about he sought his opportunity for revenge on Earth. It looks really good. And then it opens to the terrible artwork that is the actual show. But the scripting is still actually pretty good in the show. So, I mean, I kind of liked it. So, this is my confession to the community that Angel Wars is not the most terrible thing on its own. So, there it is. That's my confession. Uh, This isn't going to be Usher. I don't have confessions part two. You're going to have to stick with just the one confession, okay? That's all I got for you. So, again, just excited for the week that we are in, knowing that GOC Phase 1 is coming out, and that's my confession. And with that, we're going to get into this conversation with Chris Fashman. So, thanks for being here, and here's that conversation. All right, thank you, and welcome into a brief episode of The Threshing Floor, where we're going to talk a little bit about trade etiquette. I'm here with Chris Fashman. How you doing, Chris? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. It seems like we just did this. So <laughs> so we're just going to devote a conversation here for talking about trade etiquette or if you make a purchase with the community, the broader community and your mailing cards for either payment. So someone just buying it from you or if you're exchanging cards. And I've for two years now, I've run the Christmas card swap for the community. So I've had a lot of people give me feedback from that process and I've also made purchases and I guess actually I have not ever done a trade 
everything I've done is just a purchase, but I've done plenty of those and received I can, that. I can fix that for you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess when we talk about when we talk about trades, what is the what is the ideal um, experience for both both parties involved in a trade in your mind, Chris? Um. Well, I mean, obviously, you have the, the the trade itself where you um, agree to what what cards are being done and what values are uh, what you're using. You know, obviously, with trades, it used to just be, hey, this is the three lying value. I'll trade you this thing. Um, you know, now we have your turn game and some other guys who are doing some stuff. Um, so really, uh, the first thing to have a real good trade um experiences is finding a a nice level ground um middle ground for you guys make sure you agree on what the values are i just did a trade actually just a few weeks ago that was literally hey my rare for your rare values are irrelevant um you know and some people are okay with that some people aren't um so finding a good um like i said middle ground that uh, both sides agree to, and and both sides are content with with the the trade itself um, is is easily the first big hurdle you have to to jump through. Like you don't want to, well, I completed this trade and I got the cards I wanted, but I had to give up way more than I you know wanted. That's that's a bad experience, even if the um, even if you get the cards you want. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think open so open discussion of values and not feeling like you have to immediately answer their value, but there being a slight negotiation. Like you can say you're asking, I don't know, $40 for this card. It's an ultra rare. I value it closer to 30 and then being open with that. Yeah. And I've had that very candid um, conversation with some people too. Um, They would send me a, like I said, maybe an example is like the the rare for a rare that I just talked about. They'll they'll do this and say, I want this rare for this rare. And and that's when you go, yeah, that's fine. Like, I understand where you're coming from, but not all rares are created equal. Um, you know, something like the Dole Lost Soul is not equal to, um, I'm trying to think of a rare off the top of my head that's like a $3, $2 card or something. Um, corrupted temple, corrupted temple. There you go. Yeah. Uh, David census or something like that. So, or an example would be like the fact that we're coming off of the heels of the announcement about the errata for endless treasures. And the reason that endless treasures is being errata is because it's so good. It's at such a high power level that it's in, included in pretty much every deck. And right. that's a rare that is included in every deck. So it's clearly more valuable than a corrupted temple. So you can't say, okay, I'll trade your corrupted temple for, an endless treasure because the values are not quite the same. Exactly. Um, and, and, and so, like I said, I've had very candid conversations with some people sometimes. And um, especially I was trying to think there was a few times where I've traded a bunch of bulk or something and like, Hey, I'll just give you this stuff for um, like, I'll trade you a bunch of uh, rotation cards for a bunch of classic cards it is a trade that I have done in the past and they're trying to get the full, you know, $25, $50 value of the three lions or the year turn games for the classic cards when I'm giving them rotation cards, or they're trying to get 25 cents for each common or something like that. And I'm thinking, 
dude, I'm giving you a bunch of rares from, you know, these new sets and you're giving me 20 year old cards. So like, no, we're not going to be valuing those the same. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, and like I said, you try to be gentle with that conversation and, um, and obviously the, the retailers with, with Ken and Derek, they do a really good job at, at trying to create a value system that does work for trades and things like that. But again, like we just said, not all things are equal and you could even go further and say not all 25 cent, not all 50 cent cards are equal either. So there, there's some wiggle room in there. So just, you know, be courteous, be mindful and, um, you know, just be cool uh, with the conversation and, and, and it'll work out fine. So. And, and also if you're the one approaching someone that's listed something that they have available for trade or sell, don't feel so timid that you have to just take it or leave it. Like have that conversation. And be upfront about it and talk about it. Oh, sure. And and even like somebody like me or like Roy, who, I mean, we've done more trades. We probably, <laughs> we probably sold or traded more cards or heck, even given more cards away than like you've owned in your entire redemption career. You know what I mean? So like, don't, and, and, I, and I, I can understand how that could be potentially intimidating. You're like, I'm confronting this long-term, well-known, well-respected person, and I don't want to dis, you know, I don't want to offend him or something. Um, you know, I mean, again, most of us are uh, pretty cool, pretty laid-back people. So, you know, don't don't be intimidated. Don't let somebody take advantage of you because of who they are, or their power, or something like that. Just have a have a normal conversation like you would with a buddy. So, yeah, I think another thing that is not usually discussed even when i've made purchases unless i explicitly ask about it it's not generally offered but if you're asking about a card especially a valuable card um and one of my goals is to eventually have i know it's a a a long-term very expensive goal but i want to have all of the 2016 forward national promos and i want to have that as a collection because those are the most valuable and the coolest looking cards in the game in my opinion and it it kind of is satisfactory. Uh, there's a there's a satisfaction when you are able to obtain that, especially coming in and those already being distributed. It's like a, a chase game for me. So, yeah. you, you know, it's pretty cool. And I think we should really normalize asking about the condition of cards. I don't think it should yeah. be, you shouldn't feel awkward asking, can I see a picture of the card? Because as you say, not all cards in their value are created equal just mm-hmm. because they're a rare are a common well not all cards in the care of their owner are created equal and if you have a question now if it's a three dollar card that you're going to just throw in a deck that you need maybe you don't don't ask about that because pretty much any condition that they're willing to offer should be adequate but if you're spending fifty dollars on a national promo and you want to know about the condition of the card if you have a question about that and you're you you don't know you never interacted with the person selling it um i think we need to normalize asking for um, either asking for a picture for reference or just asking about the condition in general. I know it doesn't come up in a lot of my deals. Now, clearly I've bought some high end cards from you, but I trust you. I've seen your collection and how you handle your cards. So that's not something I've ever needed to ask, but I think if you're in one of those situations, it needs to be, you know, something that's easy to approach and not something that makes you feel like you're going you're, you're kind of being that almost bad guy asking, well, is your card worth what you're asking based on the condition? Oh, absolutely. And, and I will be honest. I have, um, 
had multiple times and, and I've kind of changed, uh, you know, we just talked about play groups and I've kind of changed it a little bit when I was first starting to collect cards to be able to give or sell to my play group. I always wanted uh, mint condition cards. I very quickly changed when I gave some kids the cards and like, like they literally bent them like, you know, 30 seconds in and it kind of stresses my OCD out, but um, <laughs> you know, so I don't, I, they don't have to be, near mint anymore but therefore there was a few times uh, where i would explicitly like you said ask people hey is this near mint is this in really good condition because i you know this is not going to be my card this is going to be given to somebody else so i want to make sure that they're it's in good shape and and they're like oh yeah it's in great shape it's perfect it's like practically out of the the package and i'd get them man and they're bent or they're dirty or there's something and so there there literally was for a little while um, a list that I was making that I'd never shared publicly and I never shared with anybody else. But um, I, I literally had a do not trade with this person ever again list. Um, and it had three or four different people on it. And um, fortunately, none of them are, are in the game anymore. So none of you guys have to worry about that. So don't don't fret about that. But, it, you know, like you said, so I mean, it's it, especially if you're talking about um, promos that you're looking to buy, or if you're spending money on cards and things like that, um, in particular, then for sure, don't, do not hesitate to even ask somebody like me what the condition of the card is. You know, you would hope that, um, you would, be, the, the other person on the other end would be up and up enough to say, Hey, look, I, I, I told you I had this card in inventory. I do, but it's it the corners mint or there's some like nasty little oxidation I guess is what it is that happens on some of the white of whiting of you know the white edges of the cards or something like that you know do you still want this do you want a replacement I'll find you a new one just give me some time you know just it it really yeah, it's like you said it's, it kind of seems like some of these questions are taboo or something and in reality they're very important and should be asked yeah all right so let's say you've established a value that's acceptable for both sides. So you're buying a card or you're trading cards. How should you, how do you think you should package those cards to send to another person? And how should you expect to receive your cards? Cause I've got some strong opinions on this part, but <laughs> I'd like to, you, you've clearly made more deals than me. So maybe you yeah. have more realistic expectations. Um, so with with this, I, I genuinely think it depends on a couple of different things. I think it depends on how many cards. I think it depends on also the value of the cards. So um, he, here's the biggest thing with trading. Uh, so if, if you're trading, it's both sides, right? If you are selling, it's the seller side. Um, so with that in mind, if you are sending cards to somebody, either via trade or via selling, um, you are now like the burden of proof or the burden of, of responsibility is now fully on you, right? Um, it's like an Amazon order or, you know, something you order online. So my mom, like, quick rabbit trail. My mom ordered a coffee cup for my father. 
it came in, it was broken. She contacted Amazon, said, hey, I, I don't know what happened. I literally just opened the box. I got the box two minutes ago. I opened it. It's completely shattered. Hey, sorry, no problem. We'll send you a new one, was their response, right? And so the second one came in. Unfortunately, it was completely shattered. Um, and so she sent the message again, and they said, I'm sorry. Do you want us to try a third time, or do you want a refund? You know, and and that seems to be fairly normal practice for business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know you ship stuff out for business. That's basically probably your responsibility, right? Yeah, for the most part. But generally, I'll, I'll tell you, we ship everything um, that we send out that's, um, I guess, small enough. It's UPS ground. We don't use any, like, standard postal service. Everything we send is bigger, and it goes UPS ground. Mm-hmm. And as far as damage, the only thing that we have damaged um, – I don't know if I've actually shared on the podcast what I do, but I run a warehouse where we distribute satellite equipment primarily for HughesNet. I mean, if, if you live in a rural area and you have any experience with HughesNet, you probably had had some bad experience. Don't come for me. I just get bulk <laughs> shipments and I break them down and I ship them to individual dealers that install the services. Yes, yell at him. So, um, the one thing that we've had that gets damaged is the actual satellite dish because it's got kind of a, a curved hump if you lay it sure. flat. And what will happen is they'll get crushed in shipping. And there's literally nothing we can say to anyone to put the blame on anyone else. It's at the end of the day, we can file a claim with UPS. But when the, the person calls in and said, hey, I got this and it's damaged, I'll send you another one and it's going to be overnighted. So it gets handled with a little bit better care. Right. And then, and you're also eating the cost as the business. Um, right. And, and if I, if I can resolve that with UPS and file a claim and get credit for that because of their mishandling, then that now becomes between me and UPS. It exactly. no longer involves that customer. That customer gets taken care of. And in my case, a dealer that installs Usenet systems, they get taken care of on the front end and everything on the back end is my responsibility to resolve because I ship that product to them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so that so that long example for you guys is exactly how you should treat a trader or sell. If you are sending cards, that's your responsibility, right? Um, so I, I can say, you know, I know there's some people who it needs to be put in a in a bubble wrapped envelope with a tracking number, and it needs to be you know second day shipped or something like that. Um, and and it. it in reality, that could be potentially overkill. Um, for some things, it, it might not be. Um, I, I don't adhere to that. Uh, I adhere to the, it's my responsibility, so it depends on what it is. Um, so as you guys know, I host these online tournaments, and, and I've had some people who've only participated in one. And so what I do is I've honestly put um, one promo card in a top loader, which I do feel like is required, um, at least in a envelope. And I've literally taped it shut, put a stamp on it and mailed it. Um, but again, the burden of proof or the burden of responsibility is on me. So I literally send, you know, Brad has been one of those that I've mailed it to. Hey, Brad, you played one tournament. I just, dude, I just mailed it to you. It's It went out today. Let me know when you get it. If he doesn't get it, I've got to replace it. And I, I take full responsibility for that. And that's your responsibility. 
Um, you know, so if it's something that you have multiple of or something that you have on hand or something that's only like two or three little common cards that cost like two bucks or something, um, then, you know, I don't feel like that has to go in a bubble envelope. Um, but if you, if you send it in a regular envelope with a stamp or two on it, you do need to protect it though. Like the last thing you want to do is, is them get it. And that card's been folded three times because you didn't put it in anything or you didn't put any, like a top loader or some, uh, you know, cardboard card things. I don't even know what those are called, but, um, you know, that you can kind of tape together or something like that. Um, but they, they definitely, those are called homemade top loaders. Right. Right. Um, I mean, they work, they keep your cards from getting bent. They, um, they so. do. In fact, I will say that the cards that I received for the Christmas card swap this year was in a, they were put in a regular, um, ultra pro, um, sleeve mm-hmm. and they had the cardboard backing and they came with no problem. They didn't have a tracking number or anything, but when they, they got to me. You could tell the person had put some care into it to make sure yeah. that they arrived in the proper condition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, basically, you just want them to go or to arrive rather in the condition that you sent them. And again, if you're willing and um, chancing enough to, to send them without a tracking number, um, then again, if they never arrive, it's your responsibility to replace it because you're the business at that point. You know what I mean? Even in a trade, uh, you're the business at that point. Yeah. And just just to explicitly put out there kind of what we put, if you read between the lines, you saying that you think a top loader or some of that cardboard um, backing is required to make sure the card arrives. What we are saying, and I think that you would agree with me, explicit black and white, we will say, there is no circumstance in which you should ever, even if it's in a penny sleeve or in a, a, a dragon shield sleeve, no matter what kind of sleeve it's in, you should never put a single card or even a couple of cards in an envelope and that's it without any type of hard backing that's going to protect that card from creases and potential damage. No, because they will get messed up. Like that's almost a guarantee. So I, w- I just make sure that's on the record that, that's the reason that you want to include it in a top loader or whatnot. So as far as a standard, I think, I think a lot of this comes down to communication. The communication doesn't end when you agree on the value and the price and I've sent you payment and now you've received payment and you tell me you're going to ship the cards. That does, that's not where it ends. It should not end there. The most recent transaction I had, I purchased cards from Andy, who is Andy F on the boards and discord and I purchased a he listed last week that he had a three woes and a second coming available and I didn't haggle him on the price I told him hey I'll buy both of these for your asking price and right there we had the value agreed on he gave me his information to send him payment I sent him payment via PayPal and I bought those cards and the intention for me was so that my son can have those cards if we want to start him with competitive style decks or whatever. Just future reference, here's here's him on card. I can set this with his collection of cards and he's got those two cards that are necessary for competitive play. Mm -hmm. Um, After we agreed on that, he told me that he sent it. He provided me with tracking number. I told him that then I would follow up with him once I received them to acknowledge the condition of the card. And then when they came in, sending pictures of them, this is what they came in. They're great. We're done. Yep. That's that's a solid transaction on both ends. He did his part. I did my part by reassuring him that I received them in great condition. 
and lets him know if I had gotten them and there was something wrong with them. And like, even if it's an acceptable, like, okay, well, they just, you know, slid out of the top loader. Well, then you can, hey, these cards came out of the top loader. They're fine. Just letting you know. That way he can refine his process for the next time he makes a, a transaction and sends cards out. So it's constantly just evolving the practice to be better in the future. But that happens because of communication both ways. And the communication can't stop once payment's made. No, yeah, absolutely not. Um, well, or if it does, and you know, and then something goes wrong, then it kind of comes down to that, well, you're probably going to go on my no trade list. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's healthy. You know, if people know that, and again, like I said, I had some guys that I would, every time they made an offer, every time they said something, I literally just kindly messaged or responded or, you know, whatever, and just said, Hey, I, I don't have time to pull a trade or anything right now, you know, something like that. So like you, you can just kindly decline, you know, any offer that's made from somebody and, and not, and again, like I said, I never shared with anybody who those names were, and I still won't. Uh, you know, a couple of them I don't even remember anymore. Um, like I said, they they left the game a long time ago, so I didn't have to remember. But um, you know, you don't have to badmouth them in in the community or say anything bad about them, but you don't have ever have to deal with them again. Um, you know, and you can tell the people that you know and trust potentially. You know, if it was a really bad situation, hey, this happened. You probably want to avoid this guy or whatever. Um, but I would definitely not make that, a, you know, something that, that happens a lot. And, and so, and kind of looking at it the other way, you really don't want to be the guy that becomes that, Hey, be wary. Whenever you talk to this guy and trade with this guy, it probably is going to go bad. You know, that, that's not a good reputation to have. Yeah. And you, you specifying that you want, uh, or you don't want to badmouth those and share those names. That's obviously your, your choice, but. At the same time, if you're one of those people that develop that reputation, you can't stop people from sharing that information, even if they share it, you know, on the backside through DMs or whatnot. If you become one of those people that, okay, well, you've you've claimed you sent cards and it's been, you know, several weeks and they haven't shown up. You don't have tracking number to back it up and you haven't gone through any type of resolution process Mm -hmm. to take ownership of the situation and resolve it for the person that has already sent you payment or sent you their end of the trade, then there's, there's no, there's no guarantee that your name won't get out there as one of those people that you don't want to deal with. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and like I said, just because I didn't feel like sharing names doesn't mean that other people won't, <laughs> especially if it's a, if it's a big bad burn, you know what I mean? If you spent a lot of money or it was a gigantic trade and you sent your side and you know for a fact they received your end, um, but you've still not received, you know, um, or they've received your end, but you haven't received their end, um, then, you know, I mean, if somebody's going to spout, if you're going to do something like that, you almost deserve sometimes to have your name spouted out there for the for people to avoid, even though it's not always um, maybe the kindest or the most forgiving way to do it. But at the same time, um, we do have a responsibility of protecting each other, you know, so, you know, don't, don't do something that might get your name thrown in the mud. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. You can kind of anything that happens on the back end from your actions involved in a trade or sell is kind of what you get is what you get. And it's, it, 
you you always deserve the reputation you get for the most part. Yeah. Like it's well, very, it, very few times that people get a reputation and, and this is like for all, all walks of life that you get a reputation for something and you don't deserve it because reputation is something that's built up over time. Maybe the exactly. first time you, maybe the first time you have an issue where someone doesn't receive your cards, but there's a resolution on the backside to where you handle that. But then if it happens again, it happens to multiple people at a certain point, it's not just coincidence and you probably deserve the reputation that you've gotten. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and obviously the, the one thing that you can do to make sure, um, you know, that you don't have that reputation is, is obviously, you know, um, if you load them in envelopes, you know, package them well, like we talked about, be responsible. Um, I actually did a trade, um, a couple of months ago and sent the cards, the guy uh, that I sent it to, um, got the card said, Hey, by the way, you sent me this card instead of another one. Um, and I, and I had no idea obviously that I messed up or, uh, or whatnot. So I, um, obviously sent him the card that he actually traded for. So, you know, I fixed the mistake and, um, you know, that relationship is still, I, I feel good and, and they're probably going to trade with me again in the future kind of thing. So, um, so you fix it or, um, you know, you fix the things like we've talked about, or you just do the things that you need to do on the front end to not really have to fix it. Just be mindful, make sure. Um, and I typically do this and I don't know how it happened, but you know, I, I look the trade over, I, I pull the cards. I literally look at the cards while looking at the list of stuff that I'm supposed to trade. And, and then, you know, you package them. Well, I, I will be honest what I do with, um, so like you talked about those nationals cards. So, um, you've, you've acquired some for me now, obviously most of our acquiring has been, um, a lot of face to face, but you did have several of these, um, high end promos from this last tournament that you ended up buying and I mailed them to you. Um, yep. you know, and, and when you mail high value, especially cards, you, you want to package them well, like you want to give them multiple layers of, um, of, of, barrier and protection and all of this. Cause let's be honest. I mean, if you sell a, if you sell a card for $150 and you package it poorly, do you really want to eat $150 to send them a replacement? Yeah. Um, you know, that that's terrible. So, um, but you know, at the same so, time, at the same time, if you think about that, that you could eat that loss, if that's in your mind, when you make that deal and when you start packaging those cards to ship them off, then that's going to, naturally just make you think and put more care and concern into mm -hmm. the way that you package those cards to send them out thinking about the person on the other end so it's not just i'm gonna drop these in the mail and i'm done after i get my money if you're thinking about the fact that you have to take ownership if something happens then you package those cards in a better way yeah yeah and i, I mean i would assume that there's a dollar amount for everybody but i, I would assume most of us don't have fifty dollars you know or something like that just to to drop um, for nothing. And, and so, you know, those are the ones like if you've got a bunch of cards that equal a lot of value, or you've got a high dollar card that equals a lot of value, you do what we said before, you top load them, you put them in a, at a sleeve and you put the, um, you know, you put the, uh, cardboard or whatever on it. I, I tell you what I do with my, um, especially if it's multiple cards, if it's high value, 
I, I put them in a penny sleeve, put those in an open pack. Like if I've opened a LOC pack or something, I keep the, a, a handful of boxes on hand. I put them in there, package them like, you know, Rob Anderson does. And then I put them in a bubble wrap. So they're, I mean, they're kind of protected, you know, two, three, four times. And then I mail them and I've got a tracking number. So you're not going to get a package from me for $150 or something and then say, well, I didn't get it. Well, I have proof with my tracking number um, that you did. I mean, a tracking number is not just for the person receiving the card. It protects you too. So absolutely. So it's, I mean, so there's a, there's a dollar value for everybody that they don't want to replace. So whatever that value is for you, you know, package it good, get that tracking number, man, just, you know, keep your reputation and keep your money (laughs) intact. So, yeah. And talking about the tracking number, I think that not every package necessarily has to have that. I prefer for it to personally, if I'm getting something from you, if we ever do a deal, probably it's going to be a purchase because I don't have a large card collection. I'm always acquiring more. So it's usually purchases. Um, I would prefer a tracking number. So if you hear this and I ever buy something from you, tracking number, we're best friends, okay? (laughs) But it's like you said, it's also the burden of proof to show that you held up your end as the person sending out cards. Hey, I've got the tracking number. And now if they say they haven't received it, I can look at that and say, okay, well, it's being returned to me because they were unable to deliver it for whatever reason. Yeah, because somebody gave you the wrong address. Yes, that's... Okay. Okay. Calm down. Don't come for me. Okay. Uh, but anyway, or if the postal service just, you know, will drop mail in the mailbox. Um, anyway, so, but that tracking number, I think is so important that if you're, if you're ever sending a package without the tracking number, I think you need to explicitly let the person receiving cards from you know that it's coming without a tracking number. And at that point, Say, I'm going to send this standard U.S. mail without a tracking number unless you want to cover some type of shipping. Or, even better than that, is incorporate that you're going to at least send it first class with a tracking number in your cost for what you're asking for. Oh, sure. If it's a trade, then both of you are, if you you both agree that, hey, we'll send them with a tracking number, then the cost balances out on each end. And I think a lot of people selling cards do that, too. You know, that's you know, shipping included or plus shipping, you know, a lot of people, if they're selling cards, they talk, they say that. So, um, you know, that's definitely, and and that kind of comes back to, like you said, just because you agree on a value doesn't mean the conversation's over, you know, that, that should probably be another part of the conversation. Hey, you know, I really want tracking on this. I really want to give you tracking on this. Can you, you know, can we just agree to pay, you know, cut? I mean, you're talking, I mean, if you, and I know, again, it kind of comes back to a, a money issue and some people have a lot of money issues and I understand that and it's it's understandable. But, um, I mean, you're talking, you can go buy a package of bubble uh, envelopes from Walmart for like 4 or $5 or something and then each envelope costs like $3 or, you know, 3 to $4 to get a tracking number on it. So, I mean, in reality, you're talking about $4 to make sure you continue to have a good reputation and people want to trade with you. Like, that's really not, I mean, is your reputation not worth more than $4? Yeah, you have that, but you also have, if I'm not mistaken, you can go down to like our local post office without even using their ship service that has tracking. You can grab one of their bubble mailers. They have them there for you to put your stuff in. And then obviously it probably takes more than just one standard stamp 
because of the added packaging. But you can just go in there and, and grab the, uh, like the the bubble mailers are technically, I guess, free with the expectation that you're going to use their ship service. But um, if you just wanted to grab one of those and, and have it for the next time you do a trade and then you cut out the cost of bubble mailers from Walmart, like co- cost can't be a, a reason that you allow a trade to go south. It can't if 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 it's that close and money is that tight, then you then, probably shouldn't be trading. <laughs> well, well, it's not not just that because you can make trades without having money, but um, you should reflect the value of needing to include the cost of shipping in what you're asking for said cards, especially if you're like selling them. So this is a ten dollar card on, you know, three lines gaming and your turn games. I'm only asking eight dollars. Okay, well, that's great. You can get somebody to give you $8, but if now you're cutting corners on how you're going to ship it out, then maybe you should have just, you know, I've got it for $10, and now you're looking for trade to, like, balance out the value versus trying to sell that card. Sure, yeah. That way that way you can still kind of charge what the other retailers are charging for the card, but, you know, you're not nickel and diming the shipping process of it. Right. Well, and I mean, and if, and if money is that tight and you, and you are going to struggle with, you know, potentially getting one of those bubble wraps, wrappers or uh, envelopes and then, um, you know, or whatnot, uh, you know, in the top loader and all that, if that's truly an issue for you, like you're saying, um, and and some people might genuinely have that issue. Um, you know, we're not going to discredit that. Um, that I think that kind of comes back to the determining the value as well. Um, I, I, I'm I have had at least a couple in my experience. It's not a lot, but it's it's been a, at least multiple times where people have said, "Hey, you know, I really I've got a small collection. I don't have a lot of stuff. I don't have a lot of money. Um, I'm going to send you this card. Would it even be possible, you know?" if I send it to you, can you, you know, maybe send me three or four other extra commons just to not only help me out, but also help me, you know, justify the the cost of shipping. Like I've even, like you said, negotiated shipping costs and given extra cards to kind of offset that price for them. I've done that on multiple occasions. Yeah. So I think basically most of it comes back down to communication and having a certain level of expectation. And I think, one one other thing about the process is I think before you put that in the mail service, you should confirm how it's shipping out. And it doesn't hurt to say, hey, I'm sending this in a top loader in a plain envelope, if you're cool mm-hmm. with that, with just a stamp. And getting there okay or saying, hey, I'm going to send this first class with tracking. I'm putting it in a top loader bubble mailer. And just, just saying how it's going out before you actually do it. Because the one transaction I've had that did not work out where I'm still waiting on a card that I may never see is I asked for it to be put in the top loader and the next response I got a couple of days later or, or whatever, the communication wasn't there. And I was told that it shipped in a plain envelope, whatever that means without like, they didn't specify a top loader or not. They just said they sent it with a plain envelope. So the communication wasn't there. So that's the, the potential first red flag that, that happens. And then the fact that the card hasn't been received now, there's no tracking number. So just communication and trying to avoid what can happen. And then if something does go wrong, know that you're responsible for making that up on the 
backside. You whether it's okay, I don't have another one of those cards, but I have something of similar value. Let me do something to make it right. Yeah. Own up to it. Maintain the health and environment of the community and trading, and just maintain proper standards. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I will say this too. Um, I mean, we talked about obviously not sharing necessarily people that um, have had you know my no trade list or whatever. I, I I'm a like I said, I'm a well established trader. I've been doing this for years. I've traded a ton of cards. Um, like I'm not worried about me. Um, but like you said, if if you see or feel that somebody in particular is building a reputation, you know, and maybe that's you. Um, if you if you're building a reputation as not being consistent or or uh, somebody who kind of cuts corners, um, we have a the, this has been a this is a wonderful blessing uh, that we have a lot of new people who are coming to this game and, and interested in this game and they're looking to acquire cards and get new cards and things like that. So, you know, if you're somebody who has a lot of cards, this is a good time for you to sell or trade your stuff um, to people. But at the same time, we this we want this game to have a, a reputation and a good be a good experience for new people. And if if we get a couple of traders or a couple of people who are not doing that or taking advantage of people or, um, you know, not following up on, on what they're supposed to do, we're going to shut you down because we don't want we don't want a new player to get involved in that and then get burnt and then quit this game because you did something stupid. Yeah. We, we've the community has banded together and done too much to set this game up for potential future growth and success for it to be undone by negative interactions with the minority few in the community. Absolutely. Um, let me ask you this has, has, cause you mentioned a no trade list. Has there ever been like an official list? And do you think that would just be completely <laughs> not the way to go? Because I almost feel like if it's like a public board to where you, you put screen name, whatever, open, open issue, and then they come back and they resolve it. And now they've resolved that issue. It's almost like a feather in the cap that, you know, now that person's going to take care of you on the back end. Sure. And you know, now um, if you've got like two open cases against someone where, where there's, there's trades that haven't been fulfilled or sales, uh, sold cards that haven't arrived, things of that nature. It, it lets everyone know that, hey, there's some open issues with this person. But, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, I would be okay with that because that's 100% accountability to my mind. But I also know that you, won't, you don't want to alienate people. Right. Uh, I will say there, there is a place for it. I um, Honestly, I, my initial reaction is, no, I, don't know, I don't know that we want to do that. You know what I mean? Uh, just because we... I feel like we want to try to uplift people and not tear people down. Um, but at the same time, I say that. And then I, as soon as you mentioned that, I immediately thought of it. Um, we actually did that on the message boards. So it, I know you've got a, um, an account on there. So if you go on there, like you can click on me and, and if you click on my name and like, go look up my profile, um, you will actually see on there um, that people have left me trade reviews. And we actually put on there that there, there's positive trade reviews. There's that neutral, like, hey, they really screwed up, but they kind of fixed it a little bit. Not the way I wanted them to, but at least they fixed it. And then there's the, just legit negative feedback 
Um, and, and that was created for you to, Hey, I have this conversation with somebody. I want to trade with them. You know what? Let me go click on their profile and see if they've had some negative reviews. So, I mean, we have done that before as far as peer pressure and stuff goes. Um, and, and I don't, you know, on a discord, it's kind of really difficult to do. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, and, and there's a lot of people in this community that don't want to run somebody down the road. But at the same time, if we're trying to protect other people, you know, I, I'm not fully opposed to it as long as it stays literally, you know, professional or whatnot. And it's just, hey, you know, I'm not trying to badmouth this person, but I did a trade or I did a sale with them and they have not followed through. Um, you know, and like you said, that might be enough incentive for people to to shape up um, and, and to fix things. So, um, and that's kind of why, like I said, I never really released my list is because even though I had an issue with them, I, I feel like maybe that was more just my, um, OCD. I wanted a perfect card and you definitely didn't fulfill that end on my, in my opinion, but nobody else has complained about it. So maybe I'm just being a little critical. Um, you know what I mean? Cause nobody else argued and complained, but yeah, for sure. If somebody, if there's more than. Um, you know, two, three people that, that have an issue, we probably need, we do need to address that and warn people and just say, Hey, look, we love you. We need, but we need you to fix this because as of right now, nobody trusts you. And then I guess, I guess another thing that, cause discord, cause there's people that will engage on discord that are never going to go to the boards and, and yeah. go through that feedback process. So I feel like there could be something, I don't know what that something is. I would never like suggest to put more work on someone else, but maybe, maybe part of it is, that there's a I don't know like let one of you guys elders know that there's a there's an issue with so and so and then maybe you guys could step in and I, again not wanting to create work but then you could do it on the back end so it's not public and then just tell them hey until we get a resolution on this we we would like for you not to or we're gonna yeah you know what I mean like 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 no, I agree I agree um, I, I just tell them hey you can't trade or sell anymore but until there's a resolution so you're giving them a chance to fix it yeah while promoting accountability because I mean if you look at the Bible from the very beginning to all the way toward the end everything about the Bible is about accountability yeah who you, you are to where at the end of it you're going to stand accountable for your actions mm-hmm. the like. We, we can't just say because we're a Christian-based game or uh, Bible-based game and because most of the players are Christian that we're, we're just going to kind of, you know, like love someone past their mistakes when it comes to something that needs to be held accountable. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like, that's like if a pastor does something within his church that's not appropriate for a pastor to do in that role. Yeah, you can still love him, but you're probably not going to leave him in that role because – He's messed up and now he needs to be held accountable and fix whatever's going on in his life. Well, and and part of loving people sometimes is kindly correcting them, too. So, yeah, I mean, let's be honest, too. Uh, That's that's a good idea. And maybe we do post a, a message on the and the nice thing about the discord is we can pin messages. Not everybody knows uh kind of where to find those or how to hunt those down, but it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, once you, once you know, if you so, swipe left on the channel, pin messages will be at the top. Yeah. And so we could easily pin something on there. Like, Hey, if you have a very negative player, you know, trade experience or sell experience, please reach out to, you know, one of the moderators or something so that we can, um, you know, like you said, kindly maybe address the situation and try to get the situation resolved. I mean, like you said, you don't want to create extra work for somebody, but 
you know, I would be one of those somebodies. And, and I would venture to say that if we made that policy or made that pin, I mean, how many messages do you really expect me to get in a week? You know what I mean? I, we're talking like maybe once or twice, a couple of, you know, every few months or something, you know, yeah. Um, you know, hopefully just a couple of year. And in reality, as much as a that's quote unquote extra work, again, that makes our community better as a whole, you know, because we're addressing situations that probably shouldn't be happening in the first place. Right. Because we're we're, you know, it's kind of like I think our community sometimes could be a little bit of kind of like a marriage. It's kind of like we have unverbalized un, uh, expectations of, of what our community should be and what our sh- community should look like, but we're not all from the same background and we don't all have the same standards and we don't all even have the same beliefs. You know what I mean? So to expect people to, to feel the exact same way you do is kind of insane on your part in reality. Yeah. It, and again, it's definitely a fine line that you want to walk cause you want to uh, love people and, have them want to stay part of the community. You don't want to alienate them. But at the same time, there there needs to be some level of accountability so that it doesn't continue to happen to where you have one person potentially adversely affecting multiple other people. Mm-hmm. One, one bad apple rots the entire bunch. Exactly. So yeah. uh, this was supposed to be a short and sweet conversation. Yeah, this but, supposed to be like a quick Ted, right? <laughs> yeah, but apparently you get me and me and you in the same room, or not even in the same room, just connected here on a on a call. Um, we both like to talk, so this kind of went long. But well, if you get yeah, if you get me something that I'm I either have strong opinions on or I'm passionate about, uh, I can I can talk for days, man, and and you can go look at my. Uh, <laughs> history i trading is something i i love doing and i'm still got some cards i'm hunting so anybody up for a trade hit me up so (laughs) yeah so hopefully you can you can gather from this kind of what the general overview of expectations are and what realistic expectations and again i would strongly encourage tracking number but it's not necessarily required but just most of that other other thing about how you package the cards like they need to be in a top loader or something that's going to protect them and if you're not shipping it with a tracking number, you should probably consider whether you want to for the fact that you might have to make up if the deal goes south. And also, um, if you're not going to send it with a tracking number, I think that should be made aware to the purchaser or the uh, trade partner before the cards are mailed. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, we've said it before, and and I've I lived this way in in my life, and then in my hobbies, whether it be a a game that I do with other people or redemption or just really anything. I mean, communication is, it's just a big deal. Um, Like it, it, I guess a lot of people kind of live by that philosophy of it's easier to ask for, for forgiveness than permission. But in reality, I mean, if, if you communicate and you're up front, then there's not a whole lot of um, apologizing or, or fixing that you have to do later you know it just makes your life easier if you just kind of hit it up front and just don't have to deal with it ever again yep absolutely so i hope we we kind of opened your eyes to kind of the process of what a trade is if you have never done it it's not some abstract thing if someone has a card that you want you have a card they want get in there and make some deals buy some cards grow your collection be part of the community be part of the healthy community and stay 
um, on top of things and do your part to make sure that it's a healthy and welcoming environment for new players and they have overall positive experience through trades and sales. So thanks for checking it out. Talk to you later. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up. Another episode of The Threshing Floor in the books. So we'll close the chapter on episode 15, and we'll look forward to the next episode, hopefully being able to make schedules work to get the episode in with both John Early and Chad, who is See the Tree on boards and Discord, to talk about redemption collecting, high-end collectible cards, rare cards, that type of thing. So hopefully we'll be able to get that schedule for this next week. And if not, we'll figure something else out. Make sure you get your Lackey Grand Prix games in for round four. And as always, thanks for listening. Definitely appreciate you guys giving the podcast, you know, some time throughout your week. So thanks for that. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace.